Marie Forleo, welcome to the Rise Podcast. Thank uh, you so much for having me on. I am so um, uh, there's like a zero percent chance that people don't already know who you are, but let's pretend that someone lives under a mushroom and they've never heard of you. Will you tell them who you are, what you're into, what you do? Give us, give us the spiel. It's not even yeah. a spiel, just like the real honest truth of your hard work and dedication. The real honest truth. I've been doing this, which is supporting people, helping them achieve their biggest goals and dreams for 20 years now, which kind of blows my mind. I am the host of a show called Marie TV, which is also the Marie Forleo podcast. We have a program that's called B-School, which is online business school for modern entrepreneurs. We've had like 55,000 amazing humans go through that program. Um, and yeah, and I just wrote a new book called Everything is Figureoutable, How One Simple Belief Will Help You Change Your Life in the World. And then like apart from that professional stuff, let's see here. Um, okay, this was probably one of the coolest things, Rachel. This is the last thing I'll say that's official, and then we're going to get into <laughs> some other fun stuff. So uh, Miss Oprah a few years back called me a thought leader for the next generation, which practically had me on the floor like drooling and just like, is this real? Um, but the unofficial stuff, um, I love zombie movies, roller coasters. I cook a 12-hour pasta, and I dance kind of nonstop. You – I I want I mean like I want to unpack each of those levels but what my brain is focusing on right now most is a 12 hour pasta like a sauce Yeah okay. like a sauce Okay so- it just simmers like a really long simmer. So you will find me some mornings in my kitchen chopping garlic and onions at like 6.30 a.m. to get this puppy started. And then sometimes I have to, you know, shut off the burner and let it sit overnight and then pick it back up in the morning. Um, but once it's done, it is like the thickest, richest, deep red color um, <laughs> spaghetti sauce. And, you know, my stepson and my man, Josh, and anyone who's had the pleasure of having the sauce they really look forward the to sauce. it i'm the gonna sauce, i'm gonna add that to my list of like my vision for my future is that someday i, ha- I get to have the sauce oh i'm gonna make the sauce for you rachel oh, don't you worry that would be my dream um i i want to start off in the most important place that we can which is that the other day i was scrolling through shop bop and I was shopping for clothes because I cut my hair. And as you do, I felt like I needed some new clothes to go with my new hair. And as I was shopping, I found a skirt that you need to buy. And Ooh. I almost screenshot it and sent it to you. But I was like, we are not close enough friends for me to – like I have access to text you. But it felt very inappropriate to send you clothes to buy. But now, now that we've – Now I'm mad. Con- okay. Now that we've confirmed. No, I'm, I'm mad. And when you I, see I it actually- – yeah, I'm going to argue with you right now okay, because please. I'm going to go back to some of our conversations okay. and I'm also going to go back to some of our texts, which if you actually look at that string, I think if you refresh your memory, you should be sending me a lot more than screenshots You're of right. skirts. You're we'll right. Just leave You're right. Yes. Okay. I just will say, I'm going to prep you because when I got off the phone with you, I'm going to go find it. I was like, there is literally only one woman that I know that can pull off this skirt and it is Marie. And so I'm going to text and you'll understand. And if you don't buy it, I'll buy it for you. I just want you to wear it because your body can handle it and mine can't. I'm Rachel Hollis and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. B 
These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. Can we, I want to talk about this thing that I feel like I have a very limited group of girlfriends who I can talk about this with, and you are one of them. And I think it's super, it's a super powerful conversation. I think, I think, I assume nothing's off limits, but you tell me if we need to like edit this part out. The idea of what it has meant for you to be a successful female entrepreneur. And the reason I asked that question is because there is, and you and I have talked about this before, the, there is a certain amount of backlash, I think, that happens for female entrepreneurs who are financially successful that does not happen to men. And, mm. you know, like I, if you go on Instagram right now, all of it's like so popular for guys to be entrepreneurs and they're on their private jet and they're in their fancy car and everybody idolizes them. But as a female, or as a woman, any kind of talk about success or any kind of anything, there are immediately trolls who want to bash that down. And so I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like what what that journey has been like, because you are the woman that so many of us in this industry look up to as like, my Lord, like Maria's over there killing it. That's why I say you're like quiet. You're like a sniper. You're like quietly, <laughs> seriously. And what's it just like you. with so much yeah. grace. And so, but, uh, but that it has to have, has it, has that touched you or have you felt that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, yeah. A hundred percent. So let's talk about it in different stages, because I think for all of us, when we're on our journeys, you know, different things hit us in different ways. And I remember it was probably around the year, like 2012, 2013, 2014, like we had this kind of, my goodness, like a stratospheric leap in our revenues and our profits. Right. And we hit like the Inc 500 list. And when you do that, it kind of exposes you Mm -hmm. right for, uh, that people see the revenue and then they make all these assumptions. And I just remember, this is, I think, what was most challenging for me. We can talk about it in current times too. I think one of the hardest things is I know myself. And first of all, I will say this right now on your show. I love money. I think you and I, I've told <laughs> yep, this to you. Probably. Yep. I absolutely love money. I don't love it over people. I, I never love it over my values. Um, but I love money and I love teaching other people, especially women to love money. And it, that comes from my childhood that comes from, I'll tell it just a super fast story because I think this relates to what we're talking about. So like my parents got divorced when I was about eight. And I remember the day that my parents signed the divorce papers, I was standing in my kitchen and I was watching my mom. She had lost like about 15 pounds and she was standing on the phone bawling her eyes out, Rachel. Like, you know, when you just see your mom, like Mm -hmm. her eyes were bloodshed. She was shaking. She was talking to her mom who was in Florida at the time. And she was saying like, I have nothing. I have nothing. And she was like screaming into the phone. She hung up the phone. She bent down so that her eyes were level with mine. Again, I was about seven, eight years old. She took me by the shoulders, Rach, and she shook me. And she said, don't you ever ever let a man control your money. Look at me right now. Do not be stupid. Like I was, you make your own money. You make your own way. You be independent and successful and do not be anything like me. Rachel, when that, you know, and look, when we as adults and as with our adult eyes, we can see 
because we understand how challenging it can be to raise a family. Mm -hmm. We can understand how challenging relationships can be and we can understand those kind of experiences. And as a child though, I made a promise to myself because my dad was amazing. Um, they weren't necessarily fighting over like infidelity. There wasn't any kind of um, substance addiction. It was all about money. My mom feeling like she never had enough of it. She didn't have any control over it and that she felt powerless. And I made myself a promise that when I grew up, that I was going to earn so much money, Rach, that I would never allow money to take away love again, Ooh. that I was going to take care of people, that I would take care of my family, that I would take care. And, you know, as a kid, you talk to other kids and there was other kids that were having similar issues to what I did. So I just had this notion in my head that when I got to be an adult, I was going to take care of people. And if that meant financially, I would do that too. And I will tell you, out of that pain has come a driving force in me to ensure that women are financially free. That's part of what drives B-School. That's why I get so friggin' fired up about it. it because is, it's so crazy that that is your, where your, this comes from for you because not the same, my mom was not the same scenario, not like different, but the same. I was yes. in, I mean, it was like whatever, they broke up for like the sixth time in a row in middle school. We're living in a crappy apartment and with like garage sale furniture. We had, I remember my birthday party, it was like my 12th birthday party in this crappy apartment with a store-bought cake and like rickety furniture. I remember standing at this table that we got at a yard sale and it was, I, I just remember thinking like, because at 12, I, I got this, that it was her attempt to exert her independence yep. by leaving and getting her own apartment and taking her daughter and all of these things. But it didn't mean a lot if you had spent the last however many years of your life with him as the breadwinner and you didn't have your own money. And now we're drowning because of that. Like my, I rem my birthday candle wish and like it, I write this in the book so people can send letters to someone else about it. But I, I, my birthday <laughs> candle wish, 12 years old, so like d we're drowning financially was I am going to be so rich someday. Like, yes. And it was uh, – it's so crazy that you – because I didn't know that story about you. It is so crazy that both of ours came from divorce where our mom was struggling financially and us thinking like, I'm not going to be like that. Yes. And like, so for me, I was always, it was like in my heart that money was this tool for healing. Mm. It was like, that's how I had this equation kind of locked up in my head. And then so to back to your original question about this whole money thing, right? And perception that once B-School started taking off and we kind of experienced this quantum leap in our business and all of those things, I just remember some people going like, she's in this for the money. And I got, I remember like my ruffles got, my feathers got ruffled and I just thought to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I give people lifetime access to B-School. I have a refund on all of my programs. Like it is so important for me that people feel safe when they do some training program or invest with me. Like it just got me, it got me even more fired up to be really honest with you, Rachel, to make it even more successful. And I made myself a promise that I was not going to listen to those voices. Like I know who I am. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be around for 20 years in business if I was in the business of taking advantage of people. And generosity is one of my biggest 
values. It's why we do so much philanthropic work with our company, because I'm constantly trying to use whatever resources we have, like our platform, financial resources, my voice, whatever we can do to continue to extend opportunities, especially to women who don't have them. You know, there's this great saying, Rach, I think you might like this one. Talent is universal, but opportunity is not. Mm. And it's a driving force of what we do. It's why we do freaking scholarships. It's you know what I mean? It's yep. why we do everything. But to your point, the whole like, you know, money thing. And here's the truth for me. I'm not big into flexing publicly when it comes to my cash. Yes. I just like having what I call, you know, FU money. Yes. That I means, remember you telling me that the first time we talked, yes. you were like, every woman needs some FU money. And I was like, this woman yes. is my queen. I now worship at her altar. <laughs> and, and here's what I mean by that. So that no one can tell you, you have to do X, Y, or Z. Yep. You have to behave this way. You need to show up here or that you have to endure um, just crappy treatment yep. from other people or for people to make you feel beholden to them. I'm like, mm-mm, yep. not in business. We've had these conversations. Absolutely. Vendors, everyone who feel like they have you against the wall, I'm like, nope, that's what great resources do. And so with B-School, here's my proudest moment with that, Rach. I was in um, I was in a grocery store in LA and I'm like standing there. I got my hair in a bun. I got like, you know, my takeout to go little food or whatever. And someone taps me on the shoulder. They said, are you Marie Forleo? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my goodness. She's like, I got to tell you a story. She's like, I'm a B-Schooler. She goes, years ago, I was about to be homeless and I sold my couch to do your program because I knew in my heart it was a path for me to get myself taken care of. She goes, I am a single mom and I have a multiple six-figure business. Thanks to you, I can take care of myself and my daughter and I wanted to let you know that. And I was like... That's why I do what I do. As yeah. much as I love money, it's like seeing other women free is w- what drives me. Absolutely. Oh, I, I love I love this idea. I, I saw this meme the other day that said, you know, not everyone's going to track with this, but I know you're going to get what I'm saying. It was like you, if you are actually wealthy, you don't post a picture of yourself in the private plane. That's right. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the amount, I'm like, I'm going to get crap. Like so many people we know. I mean, can we stop with the private, like, come, calm down, calm down, you guys. So I I just have to say this, like, is there not a global perspective? Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Like I pay attention a lot to like the massive and growing inequality. And here's the thing. Both things can be true. There's enough for everyone, right? There's more than enough to go around. I believe that in my heart. And I also believe that we need to work intentionally to take care of people. Like the fact that almost a billion people don't have access to clean water every day, shame on us. The fact that we spend $59 billion a year as a global society, again, I'm raising my hand. I'm in this. $59 billion a year on ice cream, while it would take $28 billion a year to provide education, sanitation, and health care to every human being is crazy. Yeah. Gosh, and so true. So part of what I think this thing is, is like, here's what we know from the research. When women are financially empowered, everyone wins uh, yep. because w- 90% more likely to reinvest in their community. So when we get money in the hands of women, what do they do? They invest it in their families, in their communities, economies get stronger, the world gets stronger. Mm-hmm. So rather than flexing about a private plane, it's yep. like, can we take 
those resources and say, hey, can we use them? Enjoy our own abundance. That is a beautiful thing. But can we also spread that abundance and lift other people up? Well, so, so this is a, this is an interesting thought to someone, someone said this to me last year and I was like, dang, that's such a good idea because I guarantee you that there are women listening to this right now. And I have a a massive entrepreneurial audience who listens in, but still I guarantee there are women listening to this right now who are very uncomfortable by the conversation that we're having. And I was talking to a friend about I had we had reached a place financially that was more frankly than I had ever fathomed we could do as a company. And I was having this instinct of like take my foot off the gas because I was honestly uncomfortable. Like I was a 12 year old girl birthday candle wish I want to be rich. But that was about security and I'm yep. I'm good like forever, yep. right? Yep. And so yep. I was talking to a friend. This is why the people you surround yourself with are so important. But someone much further along as an entrepreneur and, and philanthropist. And I said, you know, I, I feel kind of I'm, – I'm feeling a little weird. Like it seems odd to keep pushing when we're already doing so well. And he said, Rachel, imagine that there's a dollar on the table. And there's all these entrepreneurs in the world, and any of us can get that dollar. And if you get the dollar, you know what you're going to do with it. You know that you're going to create jobs. You know that you're going to give back. You know you, you have these plans and these visions that help your community grow things, help your family, all of it, right? But you don't know what someone else is going to do with the dollar. So there is some – like if you have the ability – there's something beautiful about what you can do because it, while while I love that you talked about how you guys give back, like we we give 10% of company profits to charity. Yes. We don't talk yes. about it because again, yep. this is not about getting the marketing or the PR for this, but it yes. was just something that we felt on our hearts was right to do. So yes. that's what I get to do with my wealth. So I guess it's like if you're listening to this and it's making you feel uncomfortable, you have to ask yourself, is that because you don't understand what's possible or because you have decided that there's scarcity surrounding money? And that if we have it, you can't. Do you know? Do you, does that scarcity, the money thing, like does that pop up in your community ever? Oh, of course. I think it's true for most of us. I think there is um, the scarcity myth that there's just not enough to go around when it comes to financial resources, money, but also when it comes to opportunity. Right. Like, yeah. oh, if someone gets ahead. She might like that's it. Rachel's cornered the market. Yeah. There's no more success for anyone else. It's like that. All of it is rooted in the same not enoughness. Yeah. And that same not enoughness permeates our soul and makes us think we are not enough. So scarcity as a force of nature, I believe, is one of the most destructive there is. Now, everyone listening doesn't have to have the same financial goals. I always like to talk to folks that I work with and say, hey, bigger dreams aren't necessarily better dreams. Like yep. each of us are unique in our desires and we honor and respect that uniqueness. But I think the more of us who have big hearts, who want to make a difference beyond just our own bottom line, that we want to see positive change in the world where we see more peace and more dignity and more harmony and more people being lifted up. I want to see those people have strong financial lives, whatever that looks like to them. That's such a good, oh, sorry, I keep jumping on you. (laughs) No, please, it's exciting. It's exciting stuff. We're having a really rich conversation. Go for it, mom. I was just going to say, I love that reminder. My two very best friends are 
they are just absolute, and this is why we're best friends, they're absolutely so different from me when it comes to being an entrepreneur and making money. Like they, they told me, literally our goal is to make exactly enough money that we can spend the most time together possible. And that's the goal. And they yes. live the most beautiful life and they are the funnest people I know and they are so freaking happy and they they are so supportive. Like they are the greatest hype squad ever, but they're yes. like, girl, you, you're crazy. Like what are you? <laughs> and we're, and they're so, and they are on, they're doing their own thing and I'm doing, and we like just respect the hell out of each other and love and are in community. But my God gosh, are we different? And yeah. it takes all kinds of kinds, right? Like you do not have to have our attitude towards money. You do not have to have our attitudes towards growth. My ask is that we as a society, a community, a sisterhood, because we, you know, half a million women listening to this right now, that even if a woman isn't like you, it doesn't make her wrong. Yes. And because by the way, it's not men who are I don't know about you, but it's not men on the internet who are attacking me ever. No. Yeah. Nine times. Not actually, I would say for me, there's a, there's definitely a little handful. Um, we, you know, we have some fun with them, of course, but (laughs) some dudes, (laughs) some dudes were like, what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? Come on. You must be missed. (laughs) Um, but I will agree that the, the larger person portion can, can be women. So I like where you're going with this. Let's talk about the book. Well, now tell me if I'm wrong, but did this book come out of a keynote? It, did it come so, out of a speech? Like, tell me that. Like, what's the impetus? Yeah, the impetus. So this notion, this philosophy, this idea, everything is figure outable. Um, I learned it as a child, and I've been talking about it and teaching about it for the past two decades. But you are absolutely correct. So back in um, 2015, I was at an event um, with the folks from OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network, and the then co-president of the network, a woman named Sherry Salata, she's like, hey, Marie, she's like, do you happen to be free on April 9th? 2016. And I was like, of course I'll be free no matter what, <laughs> like if I'm not free, I will be free. And she said, Oh great. Cause uh, we're having this thing called a super soul session where Oprah's inviting like nine other speakers, including herself to give like a Ted style talk, but an Oprah Ted style talk in California. Do you want to be one of those people? And Rachel, I practically started like jumping up and down and you know what I mean? Doing yeah. cartwheels You're right like, there. Play it cool. Play it cool. I have, that's one thing I have no ability to do. I am like the least cool person I <laughs> too expressive. (laughs) I have no poker face whatsoever. Um, so I said, yes. And then of course the next thing you must decide is what is your talk going to be about? And I had been approached by publishers for years. I had an agent who was just like, come on girl, like everybody wants a book from you. And I was like, but I don't want to write a book. Like I've got all these other things that I'm focused on right now. And anyway, the, idea came to me. I said, I think this talk needs to be everything is figure outable. And I think this is my kind of not Petri dish. That's kind of the wrong word, but it was my, my potential to roll out this idea in a public setting and to feel both from the inside and externally, if this is what I wanted the entire book to be about. So I did that talk and it was awesome. It was of course, absolutely gut wrenching. Like I cannot even tell you how bad I tortured myself and how nervous I was like thinking about who was listening to me in the audience. That's just a total forget about it. But anyway, once I did that talk, I was like, yes, this is the book. And then that was the launching of the writing of it. And how long, how long did that take you? 
like from so, that moment to here? Yeah. So the speech was given in 2016. I uh, sold the book, meaning, you know, had my proposal and went around and did all the meetings with the publishers in 2017. And we had always slated for fall of 2019 for a release. I just wanted like a really long runway. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so it kind of took, I didn't start writing the book, like actually sitting down and typing it until the like late fall, almost winter of of I think 2017 or 20, yeah, 2017. So it took me a little over a year to get everything together and then turned it in um, winter of last year. And what are you, I mean, I know there's so much information in it, all the things that we pack, all the knowledge that we have, but as you're thinking yes. about this launch, what are the things that you are most excited? Like, man, if if the readers can get this, like if they can latch on yes. to these two or three things, this is a game changer. Well, I think the phrase in and of itself that everything is figure outable, which is a pretty bold statement, right? To say, yep. really? Is everything figure outable? And I think if they can accept that, but I want to unpack it a little bit because for anyone listening who might be cynical or skeptical, first of all, I say, welcome to the party. Awesome. <laughs> I love that you're here. And uh, actually, when I first started writing the book, Rachel, I was out to brunch with a friend who has an eight-year-old son. And we were talking about like what projects we're working on. And, and her son was like, oh, what's your book about? Because I didn't say the title yet. And I said, everything is figure outable. And quickly he crossed his arms and he's like, no, it's not. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, tell me more. And he said, well, I can't grow human working wings out of my back. And I was like, well, that's correct as of now, but have you researched a thing called CRISPR? And you do in fact know that we humans can fly. And he was like, man, you're right. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I can't get my childhood dog back from the dead. And I was like, well, that's accurate as of now. I said, but scientists are working on cryogenics and people have cloned their dogs. And he was like, mm, she's kind of right. And that inspired me to create some rules around this notion because for anyone who's like, you know, thinking in their head right now, no, everything's not figure outable. This will help you give yourself a mental container so that you can use the notion to do what it is intended to do, which is to awaken your innate wisdom so that you can achieve any goal, solve any problem and contribute meaningfully to others. So here's the three rules. You ready for them? I'm ready. Rule number one, all problems or dreams are figure outable. Rule number two, if a problem is not figure outable, it's not a problem. It's a fact of life, mm. like death, gravity, laws of nature. Yep. Rule number three, you may not care enough to solve this particular problem or reach this particular dream, and that's okay. Find something you do care deeply about and go back to rule number one. So that little rule set really helps us stay in the zone, right? And not go to fantastical things. And then I'll say one more thing, Rachel, before um, continuing to dig into your question, which is a perfect one. You know, a lot of people often, even friends of mine, right? They're like, no, this isn't figure outable. Like, what about the really tough stuff, like a terminal diagnosis, or, you know what I mean? Or death or loss or grief. And I was like, I'm so happy you brought that up. Because after I gave the Oprah talk, what happened, Rach, is we started to get letters in the mail. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell a quick story about a woman named Jen who wrote to us. So Jen said, I loved your Oprah talk. It was amazing. I listened to it again with my mom. It's something that she had been trying to teach me my whole life. And she's like my best friend. But then Marie, something happened. Everything changed. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And all of a sudden, nothing seemed figure outable. But then she said she took a step back 
and she looked more deeply at what was happening. And it turns out it was. For example, she was able to get nursing care to her mom who lived in a rural area. She was able to find foods that she could actually tolerate. And most important, she was able to get medical equipment, which allowed her mom to spend her last days and in fact, her last five weeks exactly where she wanted to be, which is in her own house. Mm -hmm. And so Jen wrote, thank you so much for sharing that phrase, because I can say without any hesitation that everything is indeed figure outable. And you made a huge difference to two women on the other side of the world. Oh, that's awesome. So this notion, you were saying, what do I hope, like, what's like the one or two things that people get besides just adopting that idea? I think it's about really embracing the truth that they are a born creator and that they have innate wisdom that's already inside of them that allows them to create change both in their own lives and in the lives of people around them. How has this I mean, because I, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk you, and then I want to talk about the people that you have affected with your work. How has this practice affected the business that you've built? Because I want listeners to understand, if you are not familiar with Marie, Marie is quietly, like, running the world. Like, you... <laughs> The, what you, what like people don't track with when you're like, oh, 55,000 people, like 55,000 students, 20 years in business that you are, you are quietly like destroying the section of your, like your sphere. Like it's beyond those of us who know you are like, what the actual hell is going on with Marie because she's just, you know, destroying it yet again. Oh, another launch that, you know, made a gajillion dollars. And if you like, so, so how has that, how has this practice, is it something that's always been a part of you as an entrepreneur? And or, yes. yeah, so, so yeah, let's talk about that. So because I, this phrase came from my mom and I tell that story in the book or the, you know, the Oprah talk, but it's, it was kind of embedded into my DNA from my family. Now this doesn't mean like believing that everything is figure outable doesn't make your life easy. And it doesn't mean that you don't fall on your face and hit walls and cry in the corner and do, you know, just have snots coming out of your nose. That does not, does not mean any of those things. I, that is me on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but it means I keep getting back up. So when I started my business at 23 and I was so insecure, I like the one side of my head was like, who do you think you are? Like this coaching thing, how weird you haven't even lived life yet. You're like tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Who do you think you are that you have anything to offer the world? You know, just kind of the litany of just self-destruction happening in my mind. But the other side of my heart felt like this was my calling even though it didn't make logical sense. And then figuring out how to start a digital business back in the late 90s. Like I started doing email marketing in the year 2000, right? So um, I was bartending and waiting tables to keep a roof over my head while I was trying to figure out how to have a coaching business during the day. And Rachel, I would bring a yellow legal pad to the bar that I worked at. And when people would inevitably be like, so what else do you do? Like, are you an actress? And nothing <laughs> against actresses, by the way. I'm, you know, my man is an actor. I'm like, no, I'm actually a coach. And then I would go into this whole thing and I would say, I published this weekly newsletter. By the way, you want to hear a cheesy title? It was called Magical Moments. <laughs> Magical Moments. That was the name of my email newsletter back in the 2000s. Love it. And I would sign people up to my list. So to your question, I have used this philosophy 
this mantra, this conviction at every single stage of my career. And I still use it to this day, like still (laughs) (laughs) to figure out stuff that we have. Because here's the thing, and you know this better than anyone, Rachel, in order to grow your brand, your business, your life, your relationships, whatever, 99% of what you have to do to grow is stuff that you've probably never done before. Mm Mm-hmm that you have no context for. It's so far out of your comfort zone. You are filled potentially with fear or a blend of fear and excitement and anxiety, you know, a whole cocktail mix of it. And so this notion that everything is figure outable allows you to step into the unknown, to the groundless nature of growth with an odd sense of security that somehow you'll figure it out. How has this, like you've helped so many students over the years and the intention, you're helping them with goals and dreams in their life and all of it. But I know that you've helped so many people build and scale their businesses. So how has that practice, uh, we talked about how it helps you, but how has that shown up for your students? Yes. So I think when it comes to B-School, that is, it's interesting. It's almost like a Trojan horse because we talk a lot about sales and marketing and how to do it ethically and honestly, and in a way that's really aligned with your personality and your values and your desire to make a difference beyond yourself. So when business owners really adopt those values and then they're able to put them into practice in a practical way, Rachel, they watch their businesses increase. Like if they have the right market, meaning they're like, okay, you know, I am serving people that I really care about and that I really want to serve. And they have a great product or service that actually solves a problem or meets a need. When those things align and they uh, activate the strategies that we teach them, it's usually a matter of time. So I got a message the other day. We have a thing in our company, which is called letters from the community. And so every week, uh, our team kind of surfaces notes or, you know, messages on social or whatever it is that we feel kind of gives us a pulse on what's happening. And this actually just happened a couple of days ago. There was a note from a B-schooler who joined like, I don't know, back in 2012. And her goal was to have a million dollar business. And she had no business before. And by the way, she ain't selling business coaching, right? Mm -hmm. She's not a business consultant. I think it's a skincare line, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, memory serves right. It's a skincare line. And she said, oh my goodness, I just crossed that million dollar mark. Oh, that's so rad. Right. And so she's been at it though. So you ask the question, like, what is it that they learn? They learn um, a lot of the ideas that we teach in the book, but everything I teach in the book, it's almost baked into B-School. So Mm -hmm. we're practicing it through our sales and marketing, but the philosophy is there. So for example, progress, not perfection progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. That's something I try and drill into people because, you know, you probably know this. Anyone listening, they are attracted to you and your brand and your show because you're incredibly talented at what you do and you provide so much value. And you're someone who I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've got pretty high standards, right? You, yes, just like I do. Like I recognize that in you. And I think the downside for anyone listening who shares that same value is we can dip into perfectionism, Mm -hmm. which can slow us down. There's so many negative aspects to it and you can like hold back. You can, Oh, I can't do this. It's not right yet. And you just slow yourself down and you get into that analysis paralysis where it's just never good enough. And so one of the things we practice collectively together in B school is progress not perfection, progress, not perfection. And I constantly try and tell stories about the fact that, you know, B-School now is 10 years 
old, right? We've been doing this for a decade, but it didn't start out looking or feeling the way it did now, just like your biz, Rach, mm-hmm. right? When Absolutely. you started out, it was not where you are today. People see Rachel Haas and like, oh my gosh, she's this phenomenon. But if they really pay attention, you had real humble beginnings Absolutely. and your brand did not look the way it did. So if you didn't practice progress, not perfection, which you did obviously because you're here, you would have never gotten to this superstar level. 100%. Well, I do think there's something to, you know, because we have so many entrepreneurs in the audience and I want you to understand this is not, this is not an ad. This is not, B-School has been around forever. And it is like, I know so many people, Amy is a dear friend of both of ours, like cannot rave enough about the program. And I do think there's something like we have to say, if you're listening to this and you are an entrepreneur and you've been looking for the thing, this is not what the episode's about, but will you tell them where they could go to find out more about B-School? Oh, yeah. If you just go to marieforleobschool.com, it's not open right now. We're not selling it right now. We only open the doors once a year, which is um, that happens in like February every single year. That's where you can learn more about the program or you can always just write to our team and we'll tell you whatever you need to know. That's There's so no great. hard sell. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's there. There's free stuff. We open it. Whoever wants to come, come in. Whoever doesn't, no worries. We love you. And that's how it goes. <laughs> that's also, I feel like that's a, that's a good piece of advice though, for those of you who are like looking at 2020 and you're like, man, this is the year I take the business to the next level. Thinking yeah. about that now and budgeting for that now so that you can start the year strong. It's a really powerful tool. And I know so many people who have scaled because of it. So not the point, but worth saying. Thank you. Yeah. Are you, how are you, like, how, quite honestly, is this your first, this is your first book or am I making that up? No, it's my second. So I wrote my first one like so long ago, like well over a decade ago. And I will tell you, Rach, I was so kind of not scarred, but I was like not enthused by that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I know my audience and they changed my subtitle. They changed like the cover art I wanted because I had originally, it it was first an ebook. And again, we're going back to like 2003. This is when ebooks were like mind blowing. What is an (laughs) ebook? And then I self published it and like a regular paperback. And then I sold it to um, McGraw. Hill. And Mm -hmm. so that first book is in like 16 languages, but I got so honestly, I got so swept up in doing all the things we've been doing and having so much fun with Marie TV. And we have a, something called the copy cure and B school and like all the stuff that I didn't really want to write another book Mm -hmm. until the Oprah talk. And Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, yeah, I really need to get this out. And I'll say this. I ran into um, a friend. His name is Toby. He's the CEO of Shopify. I was like writing in a restaurant here in New York City. And honestly, I told you this during text too. I was like pulling my hair out trying to get it done. I was like, oh, not an easy process for me. And Toby's like, why are you writing a book, Marie? He's like, business is going great. He's like, that's a big project to take on. And I told him this, Rach. I said, look, if I were to step out of this restaurant and get hit by a bus, this idea is the one thing I would want to leave behind. I think beyond everything else I've created, if I can do a good job communicating this, then I feel like I can really, really help folks. And so, yeah, that's why, that's why. I I was just talking to one of my friends about this the other day, that he, everybody wants him to write a book and he's not really sure. And I I said, man, a hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, someone can pick up that book. Some kid can pick up your book. Like that's your legacy. These are the words that we leave behind. These are the these are the stories and the tools. And frankly, I feel like, you know, 
God willing, and the creek don't rise, like this book's going to be insane. It's going to be New York Times bestseller. Everyone's buying it. You got to get it immediately if you have listened this far and you're not dying over Marie and her wisdom. Like, stop what you're doing and go grab the book. But even if, this is what I told him, I'm like, dude, even if five people were profoundly changed by that knowledge and that it gets to live in perpetuity for the rest of time, your work is out there in the world, that is a gift that so many people do not have, will never know because they don't have the courage to try. Yes. Yes. And look, in 100 years, unless something really wild happens, we are going to be powder. All of us. (laughs) We're going to be done. (laughs) Yep. I always talk about, like, I say that whenever I think about, hmm, should I say yes to this? I'm like, you know what? 100 years powder. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly right. Oh, man. Girl, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited about this book. I'm excited about the cover because it's beautiful. I know that that's a vapid thing to say, but my goodness, you're killing it. Aww. No, really. You know what? Listen, I care about I, – I think that especially when it comes to being educated and learning things, I think it's nice to have packages that we enjoy looking at. Yeah. I really do. I yeah. think it makes a difference. If there's something that feels good, and I think that's part of great design, you know this because you have such great design. If something feels good and it creates that energy that's inviting, you're like, oh, what is this? You mm-hmm. move towards it. It opens your heart. It opens your mind. So I, I don't think it's vapid. I think it matters. Well, the book is available today. You can get it anywhere books are sold and all the things. Did you record the audiobook? I did. Oh, I did. I did. That's the best. That is absolutely like if you and I know a lot of you, if you're podcast listeners, the audiobook with Marie spitting fire, telling you all the things that you need to do in your life, you guys need to go grab it. Marie, if they are not already following you, what social platform is your favorite and where can they find you? Instagram at Marie Forleo is the place to be. And we have um, just hundreds of fun Marie TV episodes uh, over at marieforleo.com. Thank you so much for hanging out, for talking about all the info, for getting deep with me, for sidebarring with me. And I'm going to send you a picture of a leather pencil skirt right now that you need in your life. Oh my goodness. I wonder if it's one I have on my list. I adore you and I can't wait to see you in person actually very soon. It's not that long. Yes. 